Hello everybody, in this episode, Dustin and I sit down and talk about two groundbreaking telescopes that have just entered the hobby of amateur astronomy. The Stellina Telescope by Veonis and the Eviscope put out by Unistellar. Dustin and I have had a chance to use both of these telescopes, and we sit down and tell you what we think of each one, as their strengths and their weaknesses. So if you've been thinking about getting either one of these telescopes, then this is the episode for you. So let's get started. Hello everyone and welcome to Space Junk, a weekly podcast dedicated to the amazing hobby of amateur astronomy. Each week, we'll bring you interesting and fun discussions with an eye towards providing you with the latest information and advice on the tools, gadgets, software, and techniques for maximizing your enjoyment of the night sky. Your hosts are Tony Darnell from deepastronomy.space and Dustin Gibson from OPT Telescopes, a world leader in telescopes and accessories. Here we go, everybody. We're going to talk about some automated telescopes today in this episode of Space Junk Podcast. Dustin's with me. We are excited about this new line of telescopes that's coming out. And Dustin, I think you guys just started. You guys just started uh, s selling the EV scope, right? Yes. Yeah. We we yeah. got uh, we got uh, like twenty more of them in yesterday. Actually, they they um, they've been really hot sellers. I mean, they provide something different. You know, it's a right. different, you've used both. You've used Stellina and the EV scope, haven't you? That's right. I've got, I've used them both and um, I'm doing the review on the EV scope now. I did one on Stellina a few months ago and these are scopes that are, I think we, we, I think we both agree. They're taking the, the amateur astronomy hobby by storm. These are very, very cool telescopes, easy to use, and we're going to give you guys a glimpse into what it's like to have these telescopes and what they can and can't do for you uh, going in this podcast. But we're also going to talk about something Celestron's doing too, right, Dustin? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we did a, a podcast before where we we did an entire podcast on how much hate these scopes have <laughs> received <laughs> from the traditional uh, astronomer, right? Like the, the fundamentalist, the, we got to do this the way we used to no change. Don't bring that in here. Um, but you know, I think that it is something that is welcomed by most. Um, I absolutely love all the automation and the simplicity built in. I think it makes people successful. Uh, but it's not for the, you know, the astrophotographer that wants to go out and do everything themselves. This is a product that is centered around the idea of simplicity and automation and really, I do think, as you mentioned, the Celestron Nexstar SE, I think that belongs in this conversation, even though it's different. It's not, you know, centered around the idea that everything will be automated. It still offers a lot of automation. So I think it belongs in the conversation. So, yeah, let's let's dig into the three, the Stellina, okay. the EV scope and the Nexstar SE with StarSense. I also think that after Celestron, um, just having joined this group, other telescope manufacturers are inevitable to follow uh, in this in this in this telescope space. So we'll definitely add them as they come on. Um, so the Stellina seemed to I think it came out first, didn't mm -hmm. it? So yeah. let's start with that telescope. Let's start with what we think of the Stellina uh, telescope. It was the first one that I know that we both used. I think we were yeah. using it right around the same time. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I had uh, unbeknownst to me, I didn't know you guys were getting them in the store and. Um, I went ahead and reached out to them and said, I want to do a review. Can you send me one? And they did. Uh, yeah. So, because I really wanted to see it. It looked like an amazing scope. So, yeah, we were using it about the same time. What were your first thoughts on it? 
<laughs> I pulled it out of the box and I looked at this. It's a big white square, sort of a rounded square. And Charlotte said, my wife, she goes, it looks like a really big router. <laughs> 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 and so I took it out and sure enough, it's like, it didn't look like a telescope at all. Right. And, uh, it just looked like this big square and it came, it was packaged beautifully, uh, came with a get so tripod. So I unpackaged it. And my first thought was, how am I going to get this thing to open up and well, how can I see the telescope part? Uh, but it turned out to not be an issue. All you do is you just, you just turn, you put it on the tripod, you level it and you turn it on. And you need to download their app, um, you know, from Eagle, either the iTunes store or the Google Play store. Uh, and you it connect, your phone connects to the telescope and you're off and running. And it's, it's that simple to set up. So my first impression was that it didn't look like a telescope, um, but that it was incredibly easy for me to not knowing anything about what, how it worked to set it up and get it ready. Um, and then I took it outside that night and I put it on my tailgate on my truck um, because I, I wanted it to be just really simple for me. To, I didn't want to have to set up a table or anything. This is how I like to use telescopes. So I put it on the tailgate of my truck, uh, it turned it on and it did its, you know, it did its little dance, which is it opens up the telescope, looks at the sky, figures out where it is, gets a, a GPS connection to get the time and the date. And then it shows me, what do you want to look at, man? And it gives me a list of candidates that I can look at. And I pushed on, I think it was the Andromeda Galaxy was the first one I pushed on. It went, and then it's starting to unfold on my uh, on my te- on my my smartphone. And then uh, I had it look at the Ring Nebula, and it was just it just you know it it slewed over, and the Ring Nebula is building up in a really colorful way on my smartphone. I couldn't believe how fast, and this is like 15 minutes have gone by, right? And I'm already doing this kind of thing. So um, I was floored. I couldn't believe how quick it was for me to get going and the kind of images I was getting on my smart, my smartphone. A little bit later that night, I wanted to see the, uh, the Crab Nebula, which is something that's always been really hard for me to not just find through an eyepiece, but image. And the Crab Nebula starts building up on my smartphone. I'm getting this nice, colorful, in-color image of the Crab Nebula. And these are all things that are challenging for somebody who's just starting out. So I was pretty blown away. I think the most amazing thing about the story is that in within 15 minutes, you had programmed the telescope to talk the way you talk, to ask you, well, what do you want to look at, man? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude, Tony, you know, <laughs> bro, what, what, what you want to, <laughs> so <laughs> what's your thing, man? What'd yeah, you... <laughs> yeah. 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 No, yeah. I think, look, it really is incredible that there's zero learning curve. And that's the one thing that blew me away. So going into it, I thought, and, and I hate to say this now because it's embarrassing because this thing, this thing is awesome. But yeah. going into it, I thought, all right, this is going to be gimmicky. There's no way. Look at all the things it has to do. It has to track. It has to take pictures. It has to live stack. It has to derotate images. It has to focus. It has to do all of this. And it has mm-hmm. to do it and then kick it to my cell phone so I can see it live in front of me. There are too many things that can go wrong. There's no way this is going to work. And then setting it up the first time, you know, when I pulled it out of the box, the first thing that struck me just like you was the design. But I got to say, for me, it was a plus one, man. I I really think they did an, a, an amazing job on the design. It's so clean. It looks so techy. It looks like something you'd walk into an Apple store and see. 
Sure. You know, yeah, and if, I think if they it, sold routers, that's what you'd see. Yeah, that's what you'd yeah. Get, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it does look like what I have. now. Yeah. I can't think of anything else, but it is designed well. I mean, I, I'm just kidding, but but I agree, yeah. it does have a good design. Uh, it's very sleek. It's something you'd. I think most people would want to have on display in their home for sure. Um, yeah, for definitely. people to see. So yeah, I think you're right. Especially when you open it up, uh, Shauna on our staff was like, "If we put eyes on this thing, it would look like an updated Wally." The cartoon character, yeah, oh, that's true. You know, <laughs> yeah, stick them onto the fork arms, man. Yeah, that would exactly. be, <laughs> and, his, and the tube can be his nose. That would be funny. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but it's a it's a cool design, and I was just I was amazed at how you know it just does everything for you. That was also the thing that I immediately noticed, though, that coming from you know imaging with my own equipment all the time, having complete control of everything, that I noticed was that you have very limited control. Because it's fully automated, you go to something and it just, it takes over. So where I feel like it really excels is for the people that, um, and I think this is really who buys it so it works out anyway, but the people that want to explore the night sky, they want to get pictures they can share with their friends and family and social media network and everyone and get the conversation going about space and enjoy it together. But they're not really wanting to like dig into the hobby where it's going to be, you know, I have to invest a bunch of time or energy in a learning curve. I don't want to process. I don't want to do any of that. I just want to like set it up and go and turn it on, you know? And, and for that, I feel like they did a phenomenal job. I mean, it works and you can get your first images in five minutes without any knowledge at all about the product. And I think that that is, that's an amazing feat. The whole concept of being able to do this right away is something that is is not only, I think, game-changing for the hobby, but it also, I believe, represents the beginning of the end for a lot of visual astronomy. Because as you know, our night skies are getting darker and dark, or I'm sorry, they're not getting any darker, and they're getting harder and harder to see things easily. So if you just want to go out and enjoy the night sky on a given night, um, and look through an eyepiece, those days are, especially through a four inch telescope, like these are your, your days of this being a, a, an amazing, oh, wow experience are numbered depending on where you live. But here you're bringing this out instantly and you're bringing like, the bands of Jupiter, the great red spot, the, the, uh, the color in the ring nebula, all of this stuff gets immediately transferred to you and you're watching and looking at this and, you can, by by the virtue of the technology involved, you can connect other uh, smartphones to this and you can all share the images together, post them on social media right away, which is pretty important in this day and age. So I think it's spot on. The implementation of the Selena uh, was spot on. It was really well done. Yeah, it is. The only limitation I really saw was just having control as a as a photographer you're going to want control in things like framing you know positioning it where you want it in your image exposure time that kind of stuff but i've heard that and i don't know this for sure but i've heard that there are updates and that's the beauty of having a, a tech piece of equipment right is you can just get firmware updates and the telescope changes and um you that's know right. the telescope improves but i've heard that they're going to implement new levels of control for the user into the telescope moving forward so um you know i'm 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 hoping that you see an update where even that problem is solved which will be really great cuz that was the the first thing that stuck struck uh stuck out to me as uh i would i would really like to be able to change my images a little bit Right. And I, while I did not test this when I had the Stellina, it had the ability for me to connect a USB-C uh, 
uh, cable to the telescope and I could get access to the FITS images that were taken, not just the JPEGs that were shown on the uh, app. So I could get that data. And if you could get that data, then that means a lot of processing is opened up to you, right? Uh, presumably, um, the the uh, RGB data is there and you can build color images from the FITS data that it took. So that's built into it. But as you correctly point out, when you buy these scopes, sure, they're expensive, but they have in them the ability to become entirely new telescopes by the time you get a uh, software update. Yeah. And you can add new features. You can bring out capabilities that already exist that may not be implemented yet. And when we get to the EV scope, I'll talk about a specific example where that occurred while I had it. So it was, it, you know, that's another beauty of these, of these telescopes. Let's talk about some of the pushback we got. What were some of the negative things you heard about the Selena when it came out? And I'll tell you some of my stories. I've never seen a product get more pushback than I did. <laughs> I know. It was unreal. It almost made you feel like, man, I don't want to publicly support this thing. <laughs> it's people, like, you mad, bro? It's people, like, wow, where's this coming from? <laughs> they'll burn me alive if I say anything good about this, you know? Um, but the truth is that we never stop saying anything good about it. I think it's really great for the hobby. Um, but yeah, people did not like that they said, you know, I can do this for a fraction of the price from my backyard with equipment that, you know, I can buy in pieces and put together and... People are like, ah, oh, this is too expensive. Why would you release something at this price point? It's way too expensive for everyone. And there was just a lot of that and a lot of hatred around it. Oh, those images suck compared to my observatory. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> compared to my observatory-grade equipment. Yes, I know. Yeah, I've been doing this 20 years, and you know, I've got an observatory in Chile, and I, I just, I don't know how you can accept those images. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, you yeah, got a hundred thousand exactly. dollars and 20 years invested. Of course your images are amazing. Well, that's, but yeah. Uh, yeah. And of course you can take better images for less because you have 20 years of experience and knowledge that has allowed you to save a lot of money on equipment. You get the most from your equipment because you've been doing this for a while. You know, it's like, look, I always say, I don't know if I always, if I came up with this, but I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and claim it anyway. Uh, cheap. Uh, are, are, yeah, cheap, simple, uh, or, or, and high quality pick two, right? Mm -hmm. Cheap, simple, high quality. You can have two of them and the Selena and the EV scope also pick the simple and, uh, and high quality categories. They do not come cheap. Okay. Because whenever you want something easy to use, you've got to infuse in that product, a lot of knowledge. Uh, that 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 you don't need to learn. So you're paying for this ability to go outside and ten minutes later take images of the Crab Nebula, which is which is an advanced thing to do. You're already given an advanced capability uh, off the shelf, and that's going to cost money. Now, what a lot of these harumphers and from from astro, from astronomy part of astronomy clubs are going on about is they have uh, they have high quality and cheap, but it's not simple, right? They're able to substitute their knowledge level to get high quality and cheap uh, equipment or cheaper equipment to make superior results. But that comes at the expense of experience. You, they've paid their dues. They've they've learned the learning curve. They've gone up that ladder, and that and they're able to do that. So, um, so it's it, the Stellina offers, I think, a way for people to get advanced knowledge. But of course, it's going to come at a price. And I don't think that's, I don't think it's onerous, especially given the introduction it gives you. It makes you 
it just blows you away right from the beginning if you've never had a telescope before. And they use the most premium brand stuff. Look at even the little mini tripod that comes with it is a Gitzo. It's That's a right. Gitzo. Like that is the that is the Ferrari of tripods. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I know. And um, the uh, it, it, the optics are, are, are and the coatings are, are way above average. The the um, what is it? The, the it not only has a field derotator, but it also has uh, dew correction, where it has a, a heater in it that keeps dew from forming on the objective. It's a refractor. We should mention that uh, it's a refractor compared to the EV scope, which is a reflector. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a different optical design. It's sealed up, um, so you don't get access to any of that stuff. Uh, once it's in there, or once, that's a once that's a bonus in my opinion, though. I really like sure. for yeah. that for that the right buyer for that scope is the one I just mentioned. That really just is after that automation. And if you're after that simplicity, a refractor makes a lot of sense because there's no collimation involved and there's no you know issues that can go on inside the telescope involved. There's no correction to make. There's no focusing to do, right? And that was another big plus one for me on on the Stellina. Yeah. So when you turn on the Stellina, it gets a it 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 gets a signal from the GPS. It figures out when it is. It looks up at the sky to get a, a plate uh, solution to tell it where it is, and then you um, and then it will get start oriented you toward the night sky so that you can pick a spot, pick an object, any object you want to look at and start, uh, and start imaging it. It's literally, once you've leveled the tripod and turned it on, it's five minutes, uh, to get there. So it's, it's really effortless to do. There's no collimating you have to worry about, no adjustments to the, to the, uh, optical system that I know of at all. I'm trying to think of what you have to do. Do you know what uh, sensor it has on it? Uh, I don't, I remember seeing it and it's, it's actually a sensor that's common in a lot of the cameras that we sell. Um, yeah. but I don't remember off the top of my head, which one it was. Yeah. Okay. I'll look it up and, 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 and see if I can figure it. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the EV scope. Cause I just started using this one a few weeks ago and, um, it's, they took a very different approach to it. Um, you know, with the idea in mind that maybe the, end user wants a little more control and actually wants to be part of the process. So what was your first impression with the EV scope? Well, I, I loved it because the first thing I saw sitting on the side of the tube was an eyepiece. And I got excited. I said, yes, okay, this has got an eyepiece. You really, with the Stellina, you can't look through it. You're doing everything via the app. Uh, you're looking at it through electronic uh, communication yep. from the chip. Um, which is beautiful and it's fine and it, and it really it adds a lot of pluses. It's just different because what the EV scope does is it has um, it has a uh, sensor. It has it's a it's got a four and a half inch mirror at the bottom of the tube. When you take the tube off, when you take the the dust cover off, you see one of those um, those masks. What are they called? Batonoff masks uh, for focusing. The focus knob is at the bottom of the tube that you have to turn to to focus the mirror. And at the where where the secondary would ordinarily be in a reflector is where the the chip is the the, the detector the sensor. It's got, I wrote this down. It's got a 1.27 megapixel camera, 1280 by 960. Uh, it's got a Sony IMX 224 chip in it, and so uh, it's a CMOS detector. Uh, and it does two things. Feed the electronics to from that chip feed two things. Um, the it, it feeds the chip and the and the memory and it also sends part of the signal to the eyepiece which has another little sensor on it 
that um, gives you a feed of that chip in in two forms. You can see it in a live feed, which is just a rapid, you know, sub second uh, exposure signal that you that for really dim things you're not going to see anything but for bright things like planets you'll be able to see it as if you're looking through an eyepiece you'll see it flicker but um, that's in its live mode but then you have this enhanced mode that you turn on with on the app and the minute you do that then it builds up in the eyepiece the same image that is building up in memory for you to download later and you can just look into that eyepiece and see what's going on and while it's not the same as a looking at a say a teleview or a, you know uh, some you know some of these high end eyepieces, it's comparable to uh, some of the smaller end eyepieces like some of the you know twenty six millimeter plossels that you'll see uh, you know coming with telescopes. And but the most important thing is that you are seeing a bright image of say the Andromeda Galaxy or the Ring Nebula or M fifty one, where way better than you would see it visually through an eyepiece under light polluted skies. So what both of these telescopes are extraordinarily great at is overcoming light pollution that you're going to have in a, a city or even in, in the suburbs where you're, where you may live and look up and see a bunch of, you know, Bortle, you know, five skies or whatever they are. Um, these will be, I think, it, it compensates for that. And I found the experience of looking through the electronic eyepiece pleasing, not as good as a you know good Teleview uh, Nagler eyepiece, but then what is that good? And uh, but at the same time, it's you know uh, if I live under a light polluted skies, I'm seeing you know the dust bands of M51. You know, I'm seeing the central star in the Ring Nebula. So, and I'm seeing even the dust bands in the Andromeda Galaxy. So. I get to see this stuff uh, that I would not see visually. So it's a trade-off, but I think it's a good one. You know, the eyepiece on the side was not something that excited me. Um, I thought, you know, when when they first told me about it, they're like, yeah, but it has an eyepiece. And I'm like, yeah, but it's still just the same. It's digital. It's not, you're not actually seeing the light as it comes through the way you do with a normal eyepiece. You're just seeing the same digital representation that's coming through your phone through an eyepiece so you just have to hold your head up to it and look through it but i gotta tell you like there's something about that experience that i enjoy and i yeah. find myself like when i use the scope i stopped using my phone and i only use the eyepiece i just enjoyed that more a lot more right. actually and so i uh i would say at first i would have said yeah that's that's really kind of um one of the things that i feel like they should have just not put that and shave the cost and extended that to the buyer. But I think it's one of the best things about the scope. Honestly, it in the, the, when you're actually using it, you want people to walk up and look through the eyepiece because it just feels more real. And it's like right there, you know, people are looking at a phone from arm's length. When you're looking through the eyepiece, like the image is right there and you can see all the details and people yeah. aren't going to hold the phone up to their eye. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So well, like good, but they look pretty weird. So it is, it is a different, it's, it's more different than I would have expected it to be as, as far as experience goes. And I think good job to, uh, you know, honestly, kudos to the team at Unistellar for recognizing that, that part of the astronomy experience is still kind of ingrained in looking through an eyepiece. And even though it's digital, it really, really does a great job. Um, the other pieces of this that are quite a bit different is, you know, Having to collimate the scope, having to focus the scope, I think that there's no way around it. Obviously, it's a reflector. It's got to be collimated. You ship this. When you first get it, it's it's going, I mean, you guys have all seen how 
every shipping company in the world treats those boxes as they um as they arrive at your door and if you haven't just google you know uh shipping shipper throws box and you'll see what i'm talking about but telescopes everything i mean it gets thrown around in shipment it's traveling across the world that happens the mirrors are going to be slightly out of a line the camera's going to be slightly out of a line so it comes with these tools and it comes with this backpack to you know really get this thing tuned but one of the things you have to do with the Unistellar that you don't have to do with Selena is get that collimation done. And I worried in using it just like, is the user that buys this type of telescope advanced enough to do this on first use? Or will their experience the first time they use it, are they going to want to do this? Or are they just going to say, I just want to turn it on? And I don't know the answer. I, I haven't got enough feedback yet to know the answer, but I worry that people are going to be fine with the idea of like, okay, I got to focus it. I see it's out of focus. Um, and it's it's so cool that it comes with the Batnoff mask because I think that trains the, the, you know, the astronomer to use these tools. But collimation is a little more challenging and it's it's got a yeah. few more steps involved. And I worried like, will people know what to do here or even care to do it? Because if they don't do it, their experience is going to be diminished and things won't be as sharp, you know? Yeah. So that was the yeah. only piece of it that I was like, ah, I don't know. I, I really think if you're going to have to collimate this, there should be something that in the pox that just says, stop before you <laughs> use this, follow these steps. Right. Yeah. But how, how far have telescopes come now where we uh, we're worried about focusing, right? Focusing is now going to be the, oh, the thing yeah. that's hard to do. I mean, that's if that's the toughest thing you've got to overcome, um, then, then we're in a pretty good spot. But you're right. I mean, I had to. I, when I first turned on my, the EV scope, I saw these really badly out of focus uh, images in the IP. Something. Oh my God, this is terrible. And and because I had just used the Selena, it did all the focusing for me, and. Uh, I realized in, uh, later that I had to do my own focusing after that. It was fine. But, uh, you know, I was even fell into that. I just turned it on and, you know, where's my, where's my image? Where's my object? Um, so, yeah, I, I get your point. So, I don't know. I mean, the one thing that the EV scope does that I think uh, is a little bit different slash better than the Stellina is that in the app there is a emphasis on citizen science. You yes. can track um, uh, with the app that's on it, uh, Asteroid Occultations, and there's go they're going to be adding more things that you can do with citizen science uh, with it. Now, Frank Marches, one of the guys who's uh, helped co-found this company, works at SETI, is an astronomer and very interested in using these telescopes in a network that they can use to gather observations with. And so I like that component of the EV scope. It's built in designed already with a community that's ready to take your observations and do some science with it. And that's something that you can also do with Selena, but it is already being developed rigorously, I think, with Unistellar. So I'm very, uh, I like that about that company and the, what they're doing with it. Two different missions, and they're both executing very well. One is, you know, experience, and the other is exploration, scientific exploration. And I think that, you know, it is it's really, that's what that scope, I mean, it, everything about it has that feel. 
that this mm-hmm. is about, you know, even even down to having to learn the telescope to use it. I feel like it's really about that. And then being able to network them and get all this information and provide that through SETI and all that. that that's cool. It's cool yeah. to be able to do citizen science. And I really like the one thing that, you know, I worried about with the Stellina. Um it was the, you know, the level of control you get. And as I said, I think they're going to fix that or at least add to it. Um, but the Unistellar allows you to have complete control. Once you get where you're going, you can mm. use those left, right, up, down buttons to move and frame things however you want. And Absolutely. I really liked that a lot about that. I, I thought that, you know, that was really cool. Um, for the brand new user, I think that the experience, if it's not about science, was probably a little simpler with the Stellina and a phenomenal experience with both, especially with all the visuals they give you in the apps. They did a just an incredible job there. But, um, you know, for somebody that has a little more experience with telescopes, I think the Unistellar gives you the control that you're probably looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it comes, what I found valuable was it already has a built-in community of people ready to take your observations and do stuff with it. And you can get involved to whatever level that you'd like. So um, they both, they, like you said, different missions, but they both are implementing it pretty, really well. They are. Uh, for, for, before we go on to the Celestron, for completeness, I looked it up. I need to give you the, the Stellina uh, specs. It's got a Sony IMX178 sensor on it. It's 6.4 megapixels. So the uh, one on EV scope is 1.27 megapixels, so it's got a larger chip uh, for a resolution of 386 by 2076 pixels. That's what you get with the Stellina. Uh, to compare, the EV scope has 1280 by 960, but there's also a thousand dollar price difference between the two telescopes as well. So um, I don't know to what extent the sensor size factors into the, price. It's not that but, big a price difference anymore, is it? Yeah. I think it's five hundred dollars. Oh, is it? Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, you'd know you'd know more than I would about that. But so. but yeah, it's uh I mean, yeah, one is like I said, it's about the experience, it's about the final images. So you got a higher resolution camera and a Stellina. The other is a scientific mission, which is gonna be about sensitivity and you know, and I think that it's still the the sensor that's in that is more than capable of doing the mission that that E V scope is out to provide and or to, to set out to to achieve. So uh, yeah, I think they're both doing a, a phenomenal job, but they are for two slightly different users. But they would they would they require a minimum of knowledge, so you don't need to be an advanced amateur to use either one. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't think. No, so, Selena requires okay. zero knowledge. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> zero. You need to know more about how to use your smartphone than to than to use the Selena. It's that simple. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, do you, let's let's move on to uh, let's talk about a big player that's getting into this field, uh, Celestron. What are they doing? That's, that's yeah. Got so you they, wound up? they they've had this for a while, but they have this tool called StarSense and the Star, StarSense Auto Align, and it's about four hundred bucks, three eighty nine ninety five, I think is what it is. But for about four hundred bucks, it gets the first step with their scopes done. So it plate solves and uh, which basically the alignment, right? So it will, you turn the telescope on, if this thing's connected, it will go around the sky and do exactly what the other two scopes are doing, where it tells the telescope, kind of like reverse GPS, it tells the telescope, where are we? So that when you walk up to the telescope and you're ready to use it and you type in go to Saturn, the telescope knows exactly where that is and it goes to it for you without you having to do all of the other pieces, you know, setting up everything with uh, like, I'm going to go to a star and then center the star and say sync and what you have to really do with basically every other telescope when it's manual. Um, and they, they have this tool for their telescopes that's 400 bucks to do that. 
So I started thinking, well, what if you bought a comparable aperture in a Celestron telescope, something like a Nexstar SE 5-inch, right? That's 700 bucks. Super popular telescope. You'll see them everywhere. So for 700 bucks plus, you know, 400 bucks, you've got $1,100 into a system that you can use visually. And what does it take to get it to the point where it has automation like the other systems? And the truth is, no matter how much I dug into it, it can't. It can't get the full automation. But for an experienced user or for somebody that wants to become an experienced user, it can, for 1100 bucks give you similar aperture and give you the experience of the visual astronomy. It can do all of the alignment procedure for you, all the pointing accuracy, all of that stuff. But then, you know, I think the other piece of it is like, you're still going to have to collimate, you're going to have to focus, but this does not have a camera. So it's not going to be kicking anything to your cell phone. It's not going to be live stacking in front of you. It's not going to be, you know, solving the light pollution issues or derotating as it's moving around the sky or any of that stuff. So it's not going to have focus automation, but still... At eleven hundred bucks, you're getting a visual system exactly. yeah. that I feel like isn't something to to disregard. I mean, that's that's a powerful system that wasn't possible not that long ago for it to have all of those those pieces done for you. And honestly, for the visual astronomer, the one that really wants, like you, Tony, that you want those actual photons coming through the system and hitting your <laughs> eye. I mean, that is that's a dark sky monster right there. Be able to take yeah. that out and use that with that much aperture for eleven hundred bucks and that much automation. Yeah, it, be it belongs yeah. in the conversation. But this is a level of this is a device that when I saw the picture of it on your website, it it mounts onto the existing OTA uh, on the on the top of the tube. It's basically a camera that sits on top of the OTA with a different hand controller on it that replaces the one that comes with the Nexstar. So so. This is a layer on top of the functionality of a normal Nexstar telescope to sort of enhance the things you can't do with it. When I got a Nexstar from you guys, I got a, I got the five inch and I, I I did a review on it. And one of the things I had to do was the alignment. I did a video on how to do the alignment. And there's a a, a one star and a, up to a three star alignment. It wasn't that onerous to do, right? You just had to find a bright star, any bright star, put it in the field of view, and say, okay, I've, here's a bright star. And you had to enter in the date and time manually and those sorts of things. But it wasn't that bad. But it still took me minutes. It took me 10, 15 minutes to do. Um, having this ability, it sounds like it'll communicate with what's already in the telescope and say, okay, look, here's where you are. Here's when you are. Uh, go forth and, and find things. It's also got a, its own database of objects, I think, in the hand controller. So this is an extra layer on top of what Nexstar already gives you. But as you point out, there's no there's no communicating to a smartphone part of it or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. But it's also, it's also like you say, you know, one third the price. So, so here's what I think does. And tell me what you think. If, if so Stellina and then EV scope, these guys broke ground. These are the, the there's, they, they, I think have opened up a new realm of amateur astronomy that makes advanced imaging available to people who don't know anything about it. I think now Celestron's already started with what they've done with uh, StarSense addition to their telescopes. 
Do you think this stuff is going to get better and cheaper over time? Uh, and are more major telescope manufacturers, do you think, going to get into it? Or is it already pretty locked up by these guys, Stellina and, or Veonis, I should say, which owns Stellina and, no. and uh, Unistellar? No. It's not locked up. I don't even think that it's, you know, the door's been cracked open yet. I think this is just the beginning. You know, this is just the beginning. And anybody that wants to be relevant um, in anything, you know, tech related has to keep making things simpler and simpler. Look at modern computers, you know, and what they can do without any real knowledge of computers and compare that to old DOS systems, you know, yeah, and yeah. things like that. You know, it's like it has you have to find a way to make people more successful with less effort if you want to be relevant. And um, because ultimately people are after the experience and the photos and, you know, the shareability, all of that stuff. But if my experience is constantly tainted by the fact that maybe some piece of equipment didn't work or didn't adapt well to this other piece that I bought, or, you know, the learning curve was too steep, then I'm not getting what I got into this for, right? And so these yeah. telescopes do a great job of not serving the community that already knows, you know, outside of, I mean, I, I know this stuff. I do it every day, at, you know, with observatories and all of that stuff. And I'm telling you, I really enjoy the experience of both of these Me too. Telescopes. I do too. I love taking it out and observing. I, I actually observed more. When I had those scopes, uh, because I could just it was it was trivial to take it out and and, uh, and set it up. The the tripod on the on the Stellina was better than the tripod on the EV scope. It was just a normal. Yeah, it's a better uh, tripod. Photographic. It's a better tripod, but uh, you know it was still lightweight. It was enough. Uh, the the EV scope tripod was enough uh, to hold it steady, and I could see uh, what I needed to see and get the images I needed to get. Um, I just want to tell a quick story about the Stellina. I'm sorry, the uh, EV scope before we go, and that is that. When I had it for many months because of the um, uh, pandemic and I and things happened and I, I couldn't get to making a video for a very long time and they let me keep it for a really long time. When I first got it, the app was very rudimentary. It was very um, simple. It was missing some features and it didn't quite work very well. It didn't communicate as well uh, with the telescope, uh, you know, as I would have kept dropping uh, the, the connection, but then they updated the app um, and did and a corresponding update on the software of the telescope, and it became a completely different unit. And uh, it, it, uh, it they added an entire feature for citizen science. I was able to download my images to my uh, smartphone, the Fitz images to my smartphone. So all of this changed over the course of the weeks I had it. And of course, as we talked about at the top of this podcast, this will be a feature of these kinds of telescopes. It will always be updated via software once you've bought them. So it adds value. Your your value is actually going up. Uh, the capabilities are going up with time while you've only spent X amount of money up front once. So um, there's, a, there's a certain value in that as well. And I don't think other telescopes give you that capability. To, if you buy a, a, a camera, do you, I guess you get software upgrades, right? You, you get CMOS upgrades or something, right? With oh, yeah, cameras. there are fir firmware updates. Firmware, yeah. Okay, yeah, so I yeah. guess it happens there too, but... But anyway, that's just something to consider with these scopes as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that, you know, this is just, it's a different kind of thing. So I know that, you know, it, it upsets a few people, but I really think that people will get used to this idea that the hobby is segmented and you can get into it at whatever level you want to. And I don't think it should be offensive that these products exist um, for yeah. people that want to get in differently, that don't mind spending the money to not have a learning curve. There's nothing wrong with that for people that, that that's what they want to do. I mean, great, do it. And anybody that we can get into this hobby we all love, we should help them get in. So 
I'm really glad that things are moving this direction with some of these companies. And I think it's innovation. I think it's really driving the whole thing forward and keeping the conversation going. And there's nothing wrong with that conversation. I think it's the best thing ever. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's the, the more people that can get into the hobby, I think is, is better for all of us. And, and as you point out, this is something that, you know, uh, uh, it should be a welcome thing for most people. I, I have a feeling that one of the reasons people get so angry about it is we have this in, intense, uh, bias toward what we went through when we started the hobby and it, we, these learning curves and things we had to go through and the hoops we had to jump uh, to get our telescopes to do what they now can do, that we want everybody to go through that, I think, and mm -hmm. just to sort of pay their dues, I guess. is And we, we you know, maybe... Maybe we need to rethink that whole thing, especially from the harumphers out there. Just, you know, embrace it. Let people enjoy the skies, the, the, the skies, the way these telescopes, let them do it and uh, accept them for it. That'd be my advice. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, All Tony, right. I, um, right. you know, we shipped you your visual scope, man. We shipped you <laughs> a 20-inch Dobsonian, but, <laughs> you know, you are not going to have the full automation. I took that thing apart with one of our techs today, and um, you've got about 100 bolts headed your way and a, a half-meter telescope in about a 1,000 parts. <laughs> not So not simple, then. I'm not getting the simple yeah. part. <laughs> oh, man. Building that monster, it's got to be seven feet tall. Uh, I'll have to stream it. I'll have to stream uh, that thing. Yeah. I'll have to, to, to do make videos on the the putting together of the telescope. It well, listen, man, I am excited. I can't wait to get it, and uh, I'll share it with everybody on the Clear Skies Network, and and we'll we'll see this thing go up together. So uh, I'm excited about it. So thank you, Dustin. I appreciate. Oh, it. Oh, absolutely. We're excited for you to have it. But uh, if you can't see it with that, you shouldn't be looking, man. That's a huge. <laughs> That is you, a huge I got some serious cataracts going yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. That is a huge telescope. Uh, well, that's awesome. I can't wait. I just can't wait. Well, I hope you guys will at least give these telescopes a good, uh, uh, serious consideration. They're they're definitely worth your your attention. I we Dustin and I both give them huge thumbs up. So uh, definitely look into them. Uh, check them out on OPT's website and uh, and uh, let us know what you think too in the in the comments of uh, all the streams and even in the uh, uh, website itself. So just let us know what you think as well, and we'll. Uh, we gotta, we're going to start live streaming these, I think, in the future, and we get, we get more direct feedback. I tried to do it today, but we didn't make it work. But we're going we're gonna to start live streaming some of these and get your feedback directly as we're recording. So uh, that'll be something in the future. Sounds okay. good. Well, all right, Dustin. Well, we'll let you go. Um, on behalf of Dustin Gibson, I'm Tony Darnell. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, keep looking up. Space Junk is produced by Deep Astronomy and sponsored by OPT Telescopes in Carlsbad, California. Please visit our website at spacejunkpodcast.com. Also, please send any questions and comments or ideas for new episodes to spacejunk at deepastronomy.com. <laughs>